Welcome to Rain Christian Church Audio Sermons. Thank you for tuning in. May you be blessed. Father, more of you, more of you, and less of me. Father, more of you and less of us. Father, you're the very reason why we're here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in this place, that you are within us, that you are manifesting among us. May your name be glorified today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Religion is for those who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for those who have been there. Ross, who attended the AA meeting. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China. At the day of his nervous breakdown, he was reading from 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. If we are forsaken, he remains. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He kept on repeating it. Over and over and over till they removed him from the pulpit. Psychologists asked him to go to Switzerland to calm down. In that time, <coughs> 53 of his missionaries that served with him were killed in China and 21 children that they looked after. And he said to his wife, I cannot read, I cannot think, I cannot even pray, but I can trust. Why is it that the place, that the church is this place where we all go to to put up nice faces? We live in a broken world that is so broken and yet when we come to church we don't want to show what is within. The problem with the Pentecostal charismatic church is the moment you show what you feel you are not spiritual enough. One of my... <laughs> Bands of the past that I love to, to listen to was Pink Floyd. I don't know if you know it. <laughs> there was a song, Uncomfortably Numb. And then I remember he asked this question and he says, I'm going to ask you, show me where your pain is. 
I know there's so many of you sitting here today that's going through hell. I'm going through hell. Why is it that when we come to church, we just want to put a band-aid on? We're not putting this out there. This is for us. So I think it's about time that we start getting honest. Why is it that we believe that when you come to church, you just put a band-aid on and everything is fine? Somebody once said, there are all of us are in Gethsemane. They are just different paths to get there. Thanks. <laughs> Donkey man. <laughs> there are so many paths. Oh, all of us are in Gethsemane. There are different paths to get there. Gethsemane was one of the first places where Jesus' own prayers was never answered. Lord, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. It was not the cross. That cup was not the cross. That cup was the wrath of God. When you look at desire, when you look at the pro- at, 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 at um, the Psalms, you will see where God over and over says that the nations will drink the cup of my wrath. And here Jesus is, the Son of God, knowing he's dead. He knew he's dead. Praying, please, Father, please, Daddy, take away this cup. I don't want to drink of this cup. And then we see a second time at the cross where he cries out, Why have you forsaken me? What makes us so special that we think that it's okay for him to experience that. But we are so much on our own throne that it can never happen to us, must never happen to us, and if it happens to us, we're not good enough, and God will forsake us. Judging one another, thinking that that person is not spiritual enough. That's why he's going through trouble and through hell. What makes us so special? A third of the Psalms is a cry to God about where he is. A third. That's a lot. Let me read some of them to you. Don't even know where Psalms is today. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemies be excited over me? 
Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, and light my eyes, lest I fall asleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. That's a joyful song. 35. They also open their mouth wide against me and say, Aha, our eyes have seen it. Yes, you have seen it, O Lord. Do not keep silence. O Lord, do not be far from me. Stir up yourself and awake to my vocation. To my, cause, to my cause, my God and my Lord, vindict me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them be, and let them not rejoice over me. 44, 24. Twenty-three. Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast off, do not cast us out forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bound before the dust, our body clammings to the ground. Arise for help. Redeem us. For your mercy's sake. That was written by a man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. Who do we think we are? When we lose the ability To lament, we lose an opportunity to share with God the things at this world that are broken, that that are broken and that is breaking our heart. And And we rise to become a quite cynical people. But we as Pentecostals, Charismatics, know it all. You don't know how to lament. Because we only grab to a couple of verses that says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying you've got half a gospel. It's time that we start to learn how to lament before God because of our own sins because of the sins of the world, because of our own brokenness, because of the brokenness of the world, because of the brokenness of one another. We became so blunt, we became so (sighs) blunt because we want to feel good. And we're like addicts. We're like addicts. We just live for the next shot of feeling good. The next shot of feeling happiness. 
Because that's how we perceive life, that's how we perceive God. Everything must be happy, otherwise it's not good, otherwise it's not God. Doesn't the Bible say, cry with those who cry, laugh with those who laugh? See, I feel comfortably numb. Because it's easier to be numb. It's easier to go through life when we're numb, because we do not... We are not moved by the emotions of one another. We are not even moved by the emotions of God. And yes, God do have emotions. We don't even take time to sit and feel, God, how are you today? Because we assume He's happy. Because we assume He's okay with everything that's happening around us. We ask one another, how are you? With a reply in our mind, hey, I'm okay, thanks. We don't even wait for the reply because we know that we lie to one another. I don't even want to read what I've wrote down everything this morning. I think we exchange the polished church for something that's real. Commercial, commercial Christianity instead of something that's real. We've got polished prayers instead of real ones. I'm telling you, I'm fed up. (laughs) (laughs) You know what happened? In Habakkuk, we've got one verse that we all grabbed. Even though the fig tree wouldn't blossom, my version of that verse, even though there are no cars in my garage, even though there's no money in the bank, even though there's no food on my table, even though I'm alone, even though this, even though that, what does he say? I will praise God. And we all manipulate one another with that one verse in Habakkuk without reading the whole book. See, we've been taught we're not allowed to ask God questions. My Afrikaans are bringing, definitely. We are not allowed to question. We are not allowed to ask questions. We are not allowed to ask the whys. Why did this happen? What if this didn't happen? We're not allowed to ask those questions. We are not allowed even to get cross with God. But you know what? Habakkuk did that. The book of three chapters, he wrestled with God. Nobody speak of that. 
They only quote the, last, the third last verse of Habakkuk. And it continues that praise with, I think, three verses. Nobody quotes the struggle he had with God for the rest of the book. The questions, the herd, the seeing his nation going down under the enemies and crying out to God. God answers him the first time. And he did not understand what God was saying. And he carried on. God answered him a second time. And only then the penny dropped. When the penny dropped, he was able to write that verse. So the question, what do we do? It's become real before God. He knows your thoughts anyway. He knows your feelings anyway. Why not tell him that? Because it will be liberating for you. Because nothing you say will make him less God. Even though I have not faith. Trevor Hudson, he is faithful. Don't you think God knows our heart, knows our ability, knows what we are, who we are, what we've been through, where we've been, where we are? Do you really think your problems and what you think of God will change the fact who He is? Man, then you've got a small God. Sitting so John. John 11. We all know the story. We grew up with it. We had it in children's church. We told the story so many times to our children. But we knew, really understand what we said. Jesus heard that his friend Lazarus in John 11, that his friend Lazarus is sick. Take note, it is his friend. We do have feelings for our friends, don't we? Then Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus knew the outcome. He knew why he was sick. We knew, we know our theology. Disciple said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are they not? Um, okay, and then he tried to explain to them why he must go there, even though the Jews want to kill him. And then these things he said, after that he said to them, our, f our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may waking up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am going uh, for your sake, that I, was not, um, that I was not there, then you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. 
Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. At least he wanted to stand by Jesus. They're going to kill him, so let's go with him so they can kill us as well. And then Jesus went. And we know the story. But then there's a portion, verse 33. Therefore when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, that's the people who wanted to kill him, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the death, from the dead. But he was moved by the emotions of the people that was there. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And in the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Come on. Why did he wept? If he knew he was going to wake him and raise him from the dead. He was definitely not blunt in terms of his emotions. He was definitely not comfortably numb. He definitely did not have a band-aid on his aina and it's going to go away. Or let's just kiss it better. Then Jesus, um, then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Always a blame. Then Jesus again groaned and himself come to the tomb. And then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. So it's the second time that he was groaning inside, in the spirit, inside of him. And he wept. It was a cave and the stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, his sister, of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said, to, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out bound, head and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, Lose him, let him go.
A lot of times when that we feel what we feel is because of things happening in our lives. In the negative, normally things that go wrong. And the positive, nice, happy things. Things that go right for us. This time it didn't go nice. Something went wrong. Lazarus died. And a lot of times something dies within us when we go through a difficult time. That's why Trevor Hudson says, I cannot read. I cannot even pray. I cannot even think. But I can trust. See, Lazarus died. And then when Jesus wanted to raise him, Mary said, no, Lord, you cannot do this. Because he already stink. There's a stench to him. He's dead. His body is busy breaking down, saying it nicely. Don't we sometimes come to a place where we don't even trust God with our feelings anymore? Where we say, Lord, I cannot. You cannot. Because this situation is so far gone that this situation that I'm in is already smelly. It already stink. And there's no way that you can revive this. There's no way that you can revive this. And I want to tell you today that even if you feel that it cannot be revived, Jesus said for His glory, He can revive it. And if you don't have a voice anymore to speak to whatever is standing in front of you, He's got a voice. He's the one that will cry out, Lazarus, come forth. He's the one that will speak to your situation and your problems, even though you feel it is smelly, it is dead, there's no life to it, and the juices are running already. He's the one that is life. He's the one with authority. I want to challenge you today, even if you do not trust Him anymore in certain situations of your life. Let's be honest with each other. We trust God in certain situations of our lives, certain fashions, but there are certain facets of our lives that we do not trust Him. There are certain facets that we sometimes feel He failed us. The words of the bystanders, look at Him. He opened the blind eyes. He opened this. He did that. Why couldn't he do this? And we do the same. We do the same in our own lives. We allow him and we trust him in certain areas. Let's be honest today. I want to tell you, even in those areas where you do not trust him anymore, you still have a voice if you don't have a voice. Allow him to speak into your situation. And I want to challenge you to, uh, to, to come to a place this morning in your life, and I'm talking to myself as well, where you say, okay, Lord, I cannot do it anymore. Now you speak. Because when he speaks, he speaks life. When you and I speak about our problems, we speak death. Allow him to speak. And when he calls forth that which is dead, and the moment becomes alive, 
grab it. Grab it back. He said to them, okay, now you untie the cloths. Allow that which come alive now to have movement again. Take it off his face. Allow him to breathe again. And what if things doesn't work out? Jesus had two prayers that I know of, might be more, that was never answered. He was the Son of God. Something beautiful came out of his death. Because I'm here today, you are here today. I would have been long gone if it wasn't for him. May you be filled with hope. Even though you don't see hope. It's so awesome to sit with Stefan and his wife on Friday and, and how he spoke about going in for appendix operation. How we as a church pray and we prayed for him. And the doctors confirmed over and over about two or three times that it's the appendix. After scan, after blood tests, after what? When he went in, the pain was gone. When they opened him up, he was perfectly healed. They just closed it up and sent him home. Sometimes we need to go through the operation to find out that we are actually okay. Sometimes we have Aina at home where we need to learn not to put the band-aid on anymore. Rip off the band-aid. Sometimes we lose a job to realize that he's my provider, not my boss. Whatever situation you're in, I want to give you hope. I don't want to leave you with this end of lament where we just go and lament and cry and sit and and the suck in us. I do believe we serve a living God. A God that can bring life to anything that's dead. That brings life in any situation of our lives. He is the one with a voice that cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And he's the one that will cry and shout into your life for life to come forth. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even though it feels that you are alone, even though it feels that there is nobody around you, even though it feels that your husband, your wife, nobody is listening to what you're going through, even though it feels God himself is not there, his word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And even if you can just come to a place of Trevor Hudson where he says, I cannot pray, I cannot read, I cannot think, there's something in here that will still trust. Karl Barth said that prayer is like breathing. It comes naturally. But man, <laughs> there's times where that, where, when breathing hurts. Somebody once said that sometimes prayer is like a man falling down the stairs. I know what that feels. It hurts. But he is king. He is king. Even, feel, even if it feels that we are from hell and back, he is king. He is king. 
I want to leave you with that. That is king. He is king. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to go through a season where you're not okay. It's okay to go through a season where it feels that you do not bear fruit. Because no fruit tree in the natural bear fruit every single day. The seasons. And we sometimes forget that. It's okay not to be the one with all the answers, but the one who have to sit and listen. And it's okay to be the one who doubts God. Because that will not change who he is. Just keep on allowing this. I will trust him. Even though I doubt. If you're okay, it will not make sense to you. If you're hurting today, it will make sense to you. That you can doubt God, but still know inside, I'm going to be okay because he's there. Father, I thank you. That we can be part of a family. And not church membership. I thank you that we can be part of one another. I can cry with Krista this morning. I can feel defeated with Stefan this morning. That I can feel cross with whoever. And that I can feel broken because of myself. Father, thank you that I know that we're part of a family where there's strength and unity. Father, I pray that you will pour out a spirit of realness in this place like never before. Father, I pray that we've had so many prophecies that says that broken people will come to this place and they will get healed. I pray that this will be a place of healing, a place of wholeness. And I pray, Father God, that each and every one of us, that we will leave this morning with hope that we will leave this morning with hope for our families, that we will leave this morning with hope for our finances, that we will leave this morning with hope for ourselves. Because you said Lazarus came forth. Father, I thank you that you can speak to our Lazarus, that stinking one, and that there's life. I thank you for that. Father, I speak life into each and every one this morning, Father God, in Jesus' name, be alive, be whole, be pain-free, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.